0: And if you've got a Bible handy, I'm just going to read from verse 36 to 41 from Acts 13. I've got a church Bible, that's page 1108. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. Amen. Before Bishop Nathan comes up, Richard's going to come and share some uh, things with us, uh, show us some slides, and tell us a little bit about what's uh, been going on in Romand. over to you, Richard. Thank you very much. Thank you,
1: yeah. Thank you Neil, for inviting us back here again. It's, it's always a joy to be here, not only because I love being with you, but Caroline does serve up a wonderful dinner as well. Um, we have we are coming to the end of what is has been a gruelling tour, really, which has taken us over 16 days from Glasgow to Plymouth and 2,000 miles. It's been a great trip, but it's unbelievable to think it's only 16 days since Bishop Nathan arrived. To me, it seems more like about three years. <laughs> um, he, he had an interesting journey here because I went down to Heathrow to meet him, as, you, as you'd expect, um, but he didn't turn up and after three or four hours I was getting quite concerned and Heathrow is not the best place to be for three or four hours and I wondered whether we'd got maybe the wrong day, month or even year and eventually I got an email from him, his mobile doesn't work in Europe, saying that he had been um, detained by the Dutch security forces at Schiphol uh, as a suspected terrorist along with some other bishops as well. And um, so eventually, anyway, he emerged after I'd been in Heathrow for 10 hours um, and inevitably without his luggage. Um, but, you know, God knows when we need encouragement. When Bishop Nathan came three years ago, and uh, when he got to immigration, and you may recall I told this story three years ago, when he got to immigration, um, the guy said to Bishop Nathan, why are you coming to England? Because, you know, the, particularly Africans, they quiz. And Bishop Nathan said, I've come to rampage the nation with the gospel. Well, the amazing thing is, Bishop Nathan this time approached, without his luggage, having held up after a long journey, he saw the immigration officer was exactly the same immigration officer. And the immigration officer said to Bishop Nathan, oh, so you've come back to rampage the nation with the gospel. Well, I really want to thank the worship group tonight, because I tell you, the rampage has almost run out of energy. We're exhausted. But, you know, the worship group, you're, the, the worshipping gods, kind of revitalizes you, doesn't it, and, and renews you and restores you. and makes you want to share a little bit more about Jesus. I'm not going to share too much about our ministry, because I want you to spend as much time as possible listening to the bishop, and we've produced a little brochure for the tour, which you've got here already. I've also written a book for the tour, it's called From Russia to Rwanda um, with Love, and we work in Eastern Europe as well as um, Rwanda. some amazing stories in here about people who were delivered from the genocide, about the prison ministry. You need to understand, in Rwanda, you need to understand that In 1994, out of a population of 7 million, a million people were killed in three months. A million people out of 7 million in three months. The result of that was there were 140,000 people thrown in prison. And I don't know, Bishop may share a little bit about that ministry, but if not, there's a chapter. There's also some amusing stuff here. I write about my first encounter with toilets in Africa as well, which I wrote a few years ago and still makes me laugh. So there's a, there's a good mix of stories in here. Now, the thing is this, and I really need your help here, because my brother runs the bookstore here, and he tells me he hardly sells any books. So I gave him 25 copies of this, and he said, no, And I said, we're going to surprise you tonight, Charles. Look, he's blushing it's wonderful isn't it I said now the thing is this book here it's 4 99 and the reason it's so cheap because I wrote it because you see there's a lie out there in the world and the lie is this that Christianity is dull and non-Christians think the Christian men are wimps and that's a lie, isn't it? Because living with Jesus is bringing life to the full, isn't it? We live in the fullness of God. And the subtitle of this book, because I'm a very ordinary—I'm seriously an ordinary guy—is um, an ordinary man's adventures with God. It's an ideal book to give to a non-Christian. And with that in mind. 25 books isn't going to be enough, is it, for Charles to have tonight? So anyway, look at look at the book. Um, we've had a ministry, you've heard about it, it's developed over the years. It began with forgiveness and, and teachings on forgiveness and reconciliation. Of course, that process continues. Reconciliation doesn't have a start and an end. It's a process. It's a process that started soon after the genocide and continues now. And our ministry has developed and, and we got involved, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've shared with you, with child-headed families building homes for these kids. You know, 8 olds bringing up their younger siblings because their parents have been killed. So we built a village for them. We then got involved in a school. Bishop Nathan took me out to a field. I'm sure I've told the story before here, and he said, um, "You know, it's outside the He said, "Build me a school," and I said, "We can't build you a school. We're a very small um, mission society." And he said, "All we need um, for a school is a tree." a teacher on a blackboard, there's the tree and we started this school on this field outside um, Kigali it's now got 805 children there I was out um, in, in Rwanda again in February and um, Bishop Nathan took me an island in Lake, uh, on Lake Kivu um, a very remote island not much visited and again I went to a, a nursery school there and um, there were 350 nursery kids there and their sole resource was a blackboard with four volunteer teachers. And with malnutrition rates, I think 8% of children under five died. And, of course, I did what any of you would do, not showing pity, which is saying that's sad, but pity we must do something. So we've launched what we call the Red Zone Children Project for the most vulnerable of those children. Again, you can read that in here. We've worked also since I was was last here with two other new groups as well. Um, We've worked. There's the forest in the bishop's diocese, which is the source of the River Congo and the River Nile. And um, the bishop asked us to. I I shared this with you as a need the last time I was here. We wanted to plant a church when I was you were in that building, that temporary building. I shared this with you we wanted to ch- plant a church there, and we needed resources to do it. And that very morning, this church provided the resources for us to do this church plant. And I went down there with the bishop on the last visit. It was scary. I mean, seriously scary. If you haven't even watched Top Gear, I mean, seriously, he took us down this this track with a mountain there and a drop there, with, 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 and it was muddy, and there were rock falls, and it was terrifying. And I thought, this is all to see 100 people in a church plant there were a thousand people there that morning one thousand people, in fact it wasn't morning, it took us so long to get there, the ten o'clock service started at three o'clock, remember Bishop which was a blessing because we did this awful trip back in the dark so I couldn't be terrified on the way back, but the really fantastic thing is this was Hutus the perpetrators of the genocide and the Tutsis, those who were genocide, now all called Rwandans worshipping God together that's what brought tears to my eyes, not the thousand, but that physical demonstration of the work that God has done, bringing people together the other group we work with in Rwanda now are what's called the Batwa people, we work in Eastern Europe with the um, Roma people, if you like, the Gypsy people they're an incredibly marginalised people in Bulgaria but how much more are the Batwa people who are the Pygmy people um, of Central Africa or Central East Africa, and we just started a new project with them which, which we'll show on the on the PowerPoint just one final thing at the Star School I have to say at the Star School some of you sponsor children at the Star School this is the school that's now got 800 and it's fantastic and they're lovely you know the sponsored children have nothing but they're so alive and you'll see a banner out there one of the kids out there they're fantastic kids but they have no money they have nothing so there was a Mzungu which is a white person a white girl had gone out there to do a gap year and it was her birthday and they wanted to do something really special for this girl's birthday but they had nothing but they did have some buckets because they had buckets so they wash their clothes in buckets so they fill the buckets with um, 15 um, they filled up 15 buckets full of water and they went round this girl's house where she was staying and they all sang happy birthday in English because they learn English at the school and the girl came out and she was so happy that it was her birthday and they're all singing happy birthday and they threw the 15 buckets of water over her Now, I, I haven't done this anywhere else at all. Um, and, and we've had a phenomenal number of, sh- of kids sponsored on this tour, which is fantastic. But they sent a girl through just three days ago. And I, and I, and I, I guess I fell in love with her name. But she has a, a very p- powerful story, really, of, a, of her brother, who is at the university, working long hours simply t- to try to get her through school. But isn't it lovely? Her name is Mellon. So if anyone here has been considering sponsoring a child, and we have twin sponsorships, it's only £15, pounds, then i just love, this is our final night, to go to let the folks know in Rwanda that Mellon is sponsored. That's all I want to say. Thank you so much.
2: Good evening. Good
0: evening. Uh,
2: thank you for uh, coming to be with us. I think this is the uh, third... Like the third time we've come to this church, the last time we came, you were in a school, <laughs> and now this is a very good. It really looks very beautiful, so uh, like it's really it's nice. And so thank you so much for for working hard. I know building a church really takes a lot of energy. So we want to thank the leadership of this church and the brother of Richard and everybody who has always worked hard uh, to get us here. As Richard said, this is our last day of the tour and we've been going, we've, we've gone for 1,700 miles. So you can imagine. Uh, so I'm going home like around three. So I think it is good to wind up in in a new new church, new building, or renovated building, I don't know how how you call it. Uh, In Rwanda, I work in two places, but I do three jobs. (laughs) Uh, One, I am still deeply involved with the Star School, where many of you sponsor children, uh, the star school is in Kigali, which is the capital city of Rwanda. Rwanda has only one city, which happens to, to be Kigali. And the star school is about 20 kilometers from the, the city center. It's really grown a lot ever since the last time we were here. I think the last time I was here, I think we had about 450 kids. Now we are 805 and almost seventy staff so it's still it, the school is still growing we have big uh, uh, infrastructure that can take on a number of kids and the second place where I work uh, in 2011 the Anglican Church in Rwanda was very adventurous <laughs> because I was elected the Bishop of the Diocese of Changugu as you may have seen on the map Changugu is in the southwestern Rwanda and Changuk is like it's like an island because before you get to us from the rest of Rwanda you hit Nyungwe Forest which is 180 miles and it's in high mountains so you go round and round so for 180 miles it almost takes two hours through the forest and so after the forest, then you go, you are in the province of Changugu or the diocese of Changugu. And if you keep driving, you have to be very careful. You may end up in Lake Kivu, and it's a very deep lake. <laughs> it's also a huge, huge lake. Uh, and there are a, chain, a number of, of islands, and those are what Richard uh, was telling you where we work. And so I was consecrated bishop in the February of 2012 so this is my fifth year as the bishop of uh, Changugu Diocese so the second job that I do I'm basically a preacher I'm a preacher turned into a bishop a preacher turned into a school leader a leader turned uh, 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 a preacher turned into a reconciler a leader who is uh, anyway <laughs> So I want to share with you from my ministry of preaching. Because it is basically through preaching that we do all that we do. So I think we're basically preachers who have decided to do the will of God. And so I want to, I'm not going to spend a a lot of time because as I told you this is our last evening and we, we, I think we're ready to go home. <laughs> I think we're ready. So I, I just wanted us to look at uh, Acts chapter 13. And if you don't have a Bible, I realize I think there are some Bibles around. You can also write on a piece of a paper. And you have, free, you have uh, freedom to write on our pamphlets and take one home. There is no problem if you don't have where to write because I will just try to expound a few verses but it's it's like a long chapter and a big story that you can read for yourself and I'll try to start from verse 36 Acts 13 verse 36 it says for David after he had served his own generation by the will of God fell asleep was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. This verse looks small, but really to me, it speaks volumes, 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 it gives me a lot, a lot of information and this is what I briefly wanted to share with you so because of that I want us to read it one more time slowly and try to digest it uh, of course I think this is the third time sure you must be used to Rwandan accent now you've heard me speak for three times now I think you, <laughs> you must be okay <laughs> You must be okay now.
1: <laughs>
2: there is a story I never forget. <laughs> one time when I came here, Richard and his friend, they took me to preach in Somerset. Uh, it's one of the districts somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if this is Somerset anyway, but, but <laughs> I need to be very careful now. But, but when we got there, we, we really preached, we shared God's word as much as we could. And then after that, there's this friend who came to me, who was a little bit a man who was advancing in age, and he had his own cane walking slowly. He came to me and said, son... That's a wonderful job. Thank you for preaching. That was really very beautiful. I said thank you. It was an encouraging thing. So, When he saw my response, we we kept talking and and talking. He said, anyway, I'm very sorry because I don't hear. This ear doesn't hear. So then I said, but you told me my message was wonderful. You liked it. He said, I'm very sorry. I wanted to encourage you. (laughs) So (laughs) I hope you'll be able to. To understand my accent, so that you don't just only take the encouragement. So we'll go back to chapter 13, verse 36. For for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried by his fathers, and saw corruption. These are words From Luke, the writer of Acts, who has taken time to properly study the life of Jesus and the Acts, what the apostles were doing. So he takes time to really write down what he had studied and observed and told and inquired and searched carefully. As he could and so in his search he came to this part where he now here gets information and talks about the life of David because David is an important figure in Israel he was one of the great kings that is still highly regarded in Israel even today And they try to talk about his life. And so, the way they talk about his life here, they say, David served God's will or God's purpose during his generation. And after serving God's purpose during his generation, he died and he was buried by his grandfathers and then his body saw corruption. Now, that's a story, the verse kind of like goes into a story and summarizes the whole life of David in a few words. It says, David lived, but during his life, he served God's will or God's purposes. And after serving God's purposes, David died. And after death, he saw corruption or he wrote away, as they will say. Now, I realized that here in the West, seldomly do you talk about death. Death really comes out as a scare. It scares out many people. And I realized when somebody dies here, I think a few people are allowed to observe the dead body. Now, I need to be very careful so that I don't preach what happens in Rwanda. But in Rwanda, it is very different. When somebody dies... We put them in a coffin. If they are Christians, we bring them in the church. And we hold a whole service. And then we have a time which we call observing for people who want to, to see. So we make a line, I, I must be careful I don't traumatize you.
0: <laughs>
2: I, it is very easy for a preacher to traumatize the congregation, but I got to be very careful. But anyway, we make a big line and then we come from there and you go around the coffin and see the dead person for the last time. We call it like saying bye. That's what our last respects. And, and then we respect them. The Catholics make sign of the cross. Some Anglicans also make another sign of the cross. So different people do it. Now, I don't know how Baptists do it. I need to ask, I need to ask those ones in Kigali. But for the Anglicans, we'll come and bend and they really show a lot of respect. And for the Catholics, they will do some cross. You know, we, we do it like that. And then after that, it's time to go bury our dead. And will go bury the dead. So the Bible here says David lived, but during his life he served God's purpose, or he did God's will. And after God is doing God's will all his life, he died and he was buried. We have a core. Some of you have seen our ministry. You've read through those pamphlets that you have. As as you have seen the slides that were being shown here. We do all that simply because we are trying to serve God's purposes in our generation. <clears throat> a generation is a dispensation. is a certain time that God sets aside for certain purposes. Now, to me, it happens that I have lived at a time when genocide was committed in my country. We have seen the genocide you've never seen. We have seen human beings lose value. I don't know how to explain this, but when human being is treated as a rug and you lose value of humanity... That's why we say genocide is sin against humanity. It's not sin, it, we call it genocide against the Tutsi because its intention was to kill and wipe out everybody called Tutsi in Rwanda. But we also say genocide is sin against humanity because it basically wants to get rid of what is that, that human that is in you and so that happens to be the time that God called me in Rwanda I don't know the time that God may have called you but for me uh, my calling has come at this time of genocide and many times we asked God why you had been called at a time like this of difficulties because I remember uh going to i you know i am i, I was serving in a church in uganda and I, I, but my parents were of Rwandese origin so i was not in rwanda during genocide and after genocide i felt a call to go back and help and participate with my people to see how we can clean the mess that had been caused by my people. Help my people clean the mess that had been caused by my people. I hope you understand the statements that I am making here. I, I really remember crossing from Uganda into Rwanda because I was writing a lot of letters to Richard and his friends uh, that time. Telling them that I have moved. And when I was crossing the border of Uganda into Rwanda, the border of Uganda, the grass was well kept, the offices were okay, the officers were dressed like the officers on customs, and transaction of business was going on in a normal way. But when I crossed onto the side of Rwanda, which was going to be my home, For the rest of my life. Because in that case I was called a Rwandan returnee. I was returning back home. In fact a home that was where my father and mother had been born. But a home I had never lived in. For several reasons. Because I was not allowed to live in Rwanda. Because my parents were refugees in another country. And so I had no identity at that time. But now I cross, and when I crossed and reached the border of Gwanda, it was disaster. Peppers were everywhere. The green was not caped. T- trees were not trimmed. All houses were bread-riddled. The officers who were receiving us at the border were army men with their kashenkov in their hands. And nobody was laughing. There seemed that it seemed to be a country that had no laughter. It seems smiles had gone away. These days people say Rwanda, they are a country of a thousand hills with a thousand smiles. Those days we had no single smile. Our lips had dried. There was nothing that we could offer in terms of smiling. Because there was nothing that would excite you to the level of smiling. But I had left a good church in Uganda. Life seemed to be okay in Kampala. It seemed I could do a number of things. And here I was, I really felt, I really felt, because a number of my friends were felt. I, I felt like a political son, going deeper and deeper in my politicalness. And in my heart, I began to cry. I really began to cry. And I was saying, God, what is this, what is this? And God in his goodness, I really heard like the voice of God speaking in my heart. And maybe in my ears, saying, Lord, I'll be with you until the end of age. That word sustained me, still sustains me. Even today, in any hard situation, I try to remind myself of that voice that spoke to me on that Gatuna border, on that morning of that day when I was plunging into Rwanda. And so I move. And going to Rwanda, I report in the Archbishop's office, and I'm given a parish, the parish of Jikondo. Very small parish, but so close in the city. And I had cleaned one house, because the ambassador of Rwanda in Israel was going to be staying in the house, Mike, who eventually became my parishioner. And so they had cleaned the house and made it very nice, as if an ambassador was going to live in. Not a clergy anyway. (laughs) And so I had nice beds, nice mattresses. At least that time, my house was better than a hotel in Kigali. And so Richard and his friend Roger, they come to visit me. (laughs) And I was so proud. And I'm showing off my house. Now, I don't know that I'm showing off my house to people who are already traumatized. Because they were so scared to death by what they could see around. And so they tried to open the up So they say, oh Nathan, no water? No, no nobody else had water. But the good thing I had beds where they could stay anyway. <laughs> and I'll not, they'll not take long. But shortly, his friend goes into the bathroom. <laughs> in the middle of night, around three. And I heard him scream, Roger. I went, wah, wa, what is happening? So, and he's not answering. I jumped out of my room. I really thought somebody was butchering my white guests. Because it was very possible that time to do, so I jump and I want to take on anything that is daring my guests. What is happening? What is happening Roger is not answering, so I kick the door and the door falls in, and there is Roger is naked, <laughs> screaming <laughs> to the. What is up? He's looking at me. He's looking. At and what do I see, a little gecko (laughs) but that shows you the level of trauma how the environment was scaring the buildings were bullet-riddled and everybody looked as somebody who had gone through genocide that's the generation that's the country that God called me in I would really want to know I would want you to think as I'm talking about the time that God has called you. Richard was telling you how we are rounded up. We are eight bishops rounded up in Shifu Airport because they suspected us to be terrorists. So God calls us at this time when terrorism is at its highest peak. And I wonder why. But God calls us at a time like this. And God calls some people to address the issues of orphans. At that time when Richard was coming to see me, Rwanda had 600,000 children who were unaccompanied. Not orphans, but children who did not have mother, father, they didn't, all their families had been butchered and finished. And they were just children reutering around. Not street children, but just children who didn't know what to do and where to go. And that's how we began to try and help them. I remember at that time, we had over 400,000 widows. And in fact, at that time, the widows wrote a letter to the president asking that they, they could change the law of Rwanda and allow men to take a second, a third, a fourth wife. So that these young widows can also be able to bring up children. Thank God our president didn't allow. That's the generation that God calls us, or has called us in. But when we go back to verse 36, For God, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. With all that that I'm talking about, God calls individuals to stand for their generation, to serve the generation, to serve their communities, to serve the international bodies. God still calls people up to today to stand up and do his will and the will of God is to serve his purposes, to serve his intentions in the communities that we are living in. I have no doubt That God has called me as a bishop to serve his purpose in my generation. In Tango Goodies, in Chigali, in Rwanda, and everywhere else that I can reach. And he has equipped me with the will to be able to share that God is a good God. And I am sure, God has called other individuals, God has called churches like these ones to serve His will during your generation. And our generation is moving so fast. Our generation is really moving fast. I have told a story for the first time when I began traveling. We went to Singapore as a team of pastors. There was an evangelism training. Now, I had never flown before. I'd never been in, in airports. And so, when we get to Singapore, there is no ladders, That because we are used to to climb, to go on the stairs using ladders, and here we meet a beast called the escalator. <laughs> there was no escalator in Rwanda at that time. In fact, these days there are escalators in Rwanda. It is beauty has come from ashes, it is interesting. But we reach that and everybody, you know Singaporeans are very, not very tall people. And they are not even very big people. But they are so quick. Each one quickly jumps on the ladder, and the ladders are, they are gone. They are disappearing up there in the air. Another one goes on, and off they go. Another one goes on, and off they go. And we are a number of pastors. There is Mugaramtana, There is Dan Chaze, or Dan Kazimba. Dan Kazimba is now the Bishop of Mitiana Diocese. God has been so good to us. And these people, I think they knew what to do, but Mugaro was more experienced, he was our leader. So he quickly, and he was a big boy, he quickly jumps on this, and he's gone. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying, oh, this machine is very serious. If it can take Mugarura, it's also going to take me. And then we had Dan Chazee. Dan Chazze is a Ugandan who is really towering very high, like seven meters. Really tall, seven, is it meters or what? You, you call them feet? Feet? Yeah, he's really, really tall, and so he jumps on, and he's gone. And now me, I am saying, I, I think um, it's now my turn, and and I, I, oh, it's scary. But you know what was scaring me? In between, in between, you see some lights that give sparks. <tossed> that is very scary for Rwandan. really scared me and I didn't know what to do my mother had warned me many years ago before I went to the city she said you got to be careful with electricity you'll be burnt or you'll be shocked you got to be careful so now the words that my mom had told me many years ago quickly came into my mind but anyway I, I, I tried to see if there was another door there was no any other door that was the only door that you had to go through but anyway i gathered all my courage that i could gather and i decided to become a suicide escalator climber something like that so i just jumped on this now don't ask me what happened there but i just jumped on it the good thing is it took me but my little carry-on bag fell down, and I saw it rolling, going down. And I was saying, I will never, never, never see you. <laughs> I was not ready to go back down there. And I always compare the escalators with a generation. Like this that we are in. The Bible here is telling us, David is serving his generation. But his generation was so fast... And he's gone. I have served with a number of bishops as a clergy. It is amazing how they retire so fast and they are gone. It is amazing after retirement how fast they are forgotten and they are gone. I had my predecessor come to visit me, Bishop Joffrey. I asked him to come and visit me because I was going to do ordination. I wanted him to help me. And when he came and went into the cathedral, he found he had changed his photo, removed it from where it used to be, and put it in another place, only after four years of his retirement. You should have been there. He took on the clergy in the <laughs> He took him on by, almost by neck, <laughs> saying, how dare you remove my photo? How do you make people forget me so fast? It is disappointing. That you will be forgotten. Because the generation that knows you quickly is moving. And after realizing that my generation goes so fast. I don't struggle anymore. So that I will be remembered. No. No. Because people who know me. They are going to know me as long as I live and as long as they live. I may live a, a good legacy. People will be talking about me. We've had great prime ministers that have been in, in, in the UK here, that have done great things, that are written about in the, in, in the books of history. We highly respect them. We highly regard them. There is a place where we stayed, and they were telling me great kings of England that have wrought differences and made your country great. Yes, that's very important. But how many of our generation really do know them? We honor what they did, but how many of us do know them? The call still goes out, and the call is simple. The call is for us to serve God's will during our purpose as time lasts, because the escalator keeps moving time moves so fast that minutes in a short time turn into hours and in a short time hours turn into a day and in a short time a day turns into a year and it is gone I can't believe that many people have begun asking me as a bishop. Bishop, when are you retiring? <laughs> <laughs> when you are a bishop, people people begin to ask you when yeah, we are glad you came, but when are you going anyway? <laughs> <laughs> but what they are telling you is escalator is moving It's an, when I tell you five years, those are five steps on a ladder, on the escalator I've already gone five steps. And they are going, they are going, they are going, they are going. Now, there is something I didn't like about the escalator. Even when I was so scared to death, the escalator kept moving. Even when my little carrion bag fell down and rolled away, the escalator did not stop and give me a chance to go back and pick my little bag that had fallen down. The escalator moves. Whether we want or don't want, time moves, time soon turns into a day, a day turns into a week, a week turns into a month, a month turns into a year, and soon they begin calling you old man, old lady. You say, but after I was a young man, how dare you? Now in Rwanda they call me Umusasa, Umusaza Biskari is old man, escalator is moving on me. There is something interesting here about David. They say he served God's purpose during his generation. And then he went. How are you serving God's purpose in your generation? For us, we made a decision to share our lives with our fellow Rwandans By going around so that children who cannot go to school, help them go to school. At least when time comes and I meet God face to face, I'll say, God, I help those kids go to school. Richard tells you we are serving the marginalized Batwa. We're trying to give them a better future. Maybe when we meet where the escalator will end, who knows what? They may be good neighbors. But the escalator keeps moving. My prayer is that you'll know the will of God. And you'll serve God's will and God's purpose in your generation. Because soon, we fade away. God bless you.
0: Let's just take a moment to um, have some quiet and reflect on what he said. And uh, how we can be serving God in our generation in the short time that we are here in this world. Just a moment to, to reflect and then I'll pray. Thank you for calling David to serve your purpose in his generation and then to fall asleep and leave others to, to carry your will on. Father, we thank you for the way you've called Bishop Nathan to serve in Rwanda. That you called him at a specific time when that nation was broken. When there was much need to reconcile, to bring people together, to teach about peace and forgiveness. To share that you are a good God. Father, we thank you that you called each one of us to serve your purpose in our generations, to do your will. And we do pray that you would make it clear to us, what is your purpose for us? We thank you that the escalator keeps moving, that your purpose does not stop and won't stop until Jesus Christ comes again. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would enable us to use the gifts you've given us, To use the time you've given us, to use it effectively, not to waste it. And to pass that uh, ministry on to those who'd come after us, to focus on you and not ourselves. So Lord, show us your purpose for our individual lives, show us your purpose for your church in this country, as well as throughout the world. In Jesus' name. Oh man.